Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I am Seth Greenberg, joined by Jay Billis, who at one time had a magnificent head of lettuce, no doubt, and LaFonso Ellis, who actually still has a head of lettuce, but chooses to join the Bald Head Brotherhood. We appreciate that. Now, Fonz. Yes. We survived Halloween. Yes. But I am, I, I'm frightened. I don't know if you are, Jay, at all, but frightened. When, when we heard you talk about how you would eat a Twix bar. Yes. It was a little bit unsettling to me. Can you explain it? Do you have, a, do you have any props? No, I, I, I do. I, I, I have a, I don't understand when you get Twix minis like this, why do they have a left and a right? It's a single. You don't need a left and a right for a Twix. But I will say this, Jay Billis, since you are one who tends to just gobble it down, don't savor the flavor, this is how you eat a Twix. You eat the candy. Oh, that's disgusting. And enjoy the candy. Then you got a little cookie left here. Or as Jay would say earlier, a little biscuit left. And then you eat the cookie part of it. Delayed gratification. See, that's what's wrong with the country right now. See, when you grew up the poor the way I did, you have to savor every moment because you never knew when you were going to get another candy. And then yeah, that, that's, that's really what separates America is the poor people eating candy oh. bars deconstructed and the rich yes. people just putting them straight in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just made a Twix bar political. <laughs> Everybody else is. <laughs> that is the proper way to use <laughs> So, Fonz, if you have a left and a right, what do you do? A left and a right? Yeah. You talking about when you buy it like normal with two in, in one pack? Yeah. I'm indiscriminate then. I just eat whichever one I got first, but candy always first, cookie last. Same way with the Snickers, same way with the Milky Way. If you want a single pleasure, then you get a three musketeer. Can't separate that one. You just have to eat it. Well, but that that has two different components. There's uh, you know, sort of the filling and then the chocolate on the outside. You don't you don't eat the chocolate on the outside first and then eat the middle, do you? But notice it's not layered though. Snickers, Milky Way, all those are layered on top of something. The three musketeers is like a whole deal. You just so when you go to the movies, Fonz, do you lick the salt off the popcorn and then eat the popcorn or you just eat it all at once? I licked the salt off the popcorn. <laughs> I think we have identified that you have a severe behavioral disorder. This is this is not eccentricity. This requires this requires lying flat on a couch and discussing this with a with a with a mental health professional for a long period of time. Fonz, you had way too much time in those NBA years. I'm just I'm telling sorry. you. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, but Seth, that's how you eat a Twix, man. That's the only way. No, that's how you eat a Twix. I'm with those. You've seen me eat for the last four years. I don't care what it is. It's just going down. <laughs> hey, I'm lucky. Like- I'm lucky if I take the wrapper off. <laughs> Let alone start, you know, start eating different components of it. A little extra fiber. <laughs> All right. Let's get to some hoops. Hey, real quickly, I had a chance to see Virginia Tech the other day. Mm. They are really, really good. Yes. They, they made more shots in one practice than I saw in three other practices combined. I mean, it, Kevin Luma, Kevin Luma is a yep. brutal matchup. Offensively, they are incredible. Don't know how they're going to guard on a perimeter. Sure. But offensively, they were so far ahead of any team that I've watched in the last two weeks. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I think the addition of Storm Murphy uh, gives them the opportunity to be able to space the floor. Now, he's a little bit undersized, but he is tough as nails. And he all he gets in the lane and always makes the right decisions. And we, you talk about Kevin Aluma, Justin Mutz at 6'7". He's so versatile, Seth. You can play him anywhere on the floor. And if he's in a pick-and-roll situation as a big, he can switch off and keep a smaller player in front. And I've said before, I was just looking at the AP Top 25. I'm shocked that they're not in the Top 25. That is definitely a team to watch out for. And I, I think I think you identified it, Seth. The, the thing that's going to separate them 
uh, as a, a from a being a good team to a, a really good team or a great team, uh, if you actually use those words properly, is defense. <laughs> if they can stop people, uh, their offense will will carry them through. If they just have to outscore people, and I mean that <laughs> in the way you know you out rebound somebody, sure. you, know, you just have more points at the end because you score uh, so efficiently. Um, then you know I think they're they're going to be like they were last year, really good. Um, and can beat anybody, but can get beat by, by more people than maybe they should. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll tell you the other things. I got a chance to see Michigan State. Now, I'm really concerned about in the post. Obviously, Marcus Bingham's got to have a really good year. Uh, Marvel's got to have a good year, I think, for them to be really good. But Max Christie is going to be a freshman. We're going to talk about all season long. He is 6'5", bouncy, shoots it, puts it on the floor, high basketball IQ, you know, we talk about the great freshman. I have a feeling, and we're going to see him in champions. He he could be the freshman that has had the least amount of notoriety and is going to absolutely blow up. And I know, Jay, you're going to be doing that game. I'm sure you're starting to look at that stuff a little bit. But, man, he blew me away. Blew me away. Very talented and can do everything on offense. Um, you know, the, the, the interesting thing to me about Michigan State, and I know we've talked about the Big Ten already, and and I, I'll be interested to hear what you guys think about this is how many years have we been talking about? Well, if they could stop turning the ball over. Yeah. And and they do. I mean, they do everything so well. They're, yeah. they're as well coached as any program mm-hmm. I have ever seen, let alone, uh, you know, this year, last year, whatever. But for some odd reason. Uh, they've been fighting turnover issues for it, what, what seems like a long time. And, you know, we go to their practices and I don't see anything where I go, oh, well, that's why uh, I don't get it. And uh, even their exhibition game the other night, they turned it over oh, a ton. Yeah. And, and I don't I don't understand it because they are not they're, they're not loose in any way in that program. Right. And uh, and it's becoming something we're saying over and over again. And I'll be interested to see if this year we don't say it, if we don't have to. It, it, it'll, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to watch it and uh, and see if it if it continues or stops. Yeah, when well, you make a great point. When teams play fast, they have a tendency to have a higher turnover rate. But some of the turnovers are just unforced errors on their part. Um, and so they're going to have to take care of that to take that next step. But a, a guy on that team that I think that needs to be great uh, and have a great year is Gay Brown. I mean, a six-seven, his length, his ability to be able to stretch it from the three-point line. He's good in pull-up situations. He's able to finish in transition without Aaron Henry, who essentially had to put the team on his back last year and make plays for himself and for everyone. Gay, Gay Brown's got to take that next step. If Gay Brown has a great year, we're talking about a Michigan State team that can get to the Sweet Sixteen and beyond. Yeah, the Walker kid's going to be really good. He, he they, they generate uh, kind of energizes their break. And I was in a locker room before and uh, uh, after the game, actually at halftime. And that turnover thing is, uh, let's put it this way, it's addressed every single time he talks to his team. I mean, that was the first thing, you know, that he said in terms of talking to his team before the game, at halftime, and at the end of the game, which I thought, you know, because we always talk about it. Yeah. And I, the, the last one, I don't want to get into all of them, but the last one was, Texas and Chris Beard is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have an office. They have a room that's often, and you guys might have been to Texas. Barnes built this room right off the practice facility, not right off it, but back there. They have no offices. They have every single staff member in this one room. They have a table that's a grease board. Everyone's got like a little, it's not a cubby. It's just like another table. So you've got about, 12 people in the room the size of probably my office here. It is mass chaos. <laughs> and, and but but it's amazing. I, I was blown away by their hands-on approach at, at, at Texas, Chris Beard. Individual film with every single player after every single practice, um, the messaging, the pace of the practice. Dylan Disu, he's not practicing yet. He's not. I'm not sure if he's going to play early, but he's going to be really good. Uh, I was really impressed with Marcus Carr. Not anything he did on the court, more just how he embraced being coached and in talking to those kids, how all those seven guys from other places 
all they want to do is win. Like they, uh, most of them come from pro programs that did not win, excluding uh, Bishop. And all they want to do is they want to have a chance to win and play in the tournament. And he's got, he's got a boundless energy. I mean, it was the craziest thing on a Friday night. They were in there. I left at midnight and they were, they were there to like two. And then Saturday morning, he's doing film at eight 30 with his team individually. And then, you know, practice, but the energy that they have uh, and his sense of focus and urgency, it was, I'm telling you, it blew me away. Really. Do they still have Seth in that, in that room you're talking about above the practice facility. Do they still have that camera where you can zoom into stuff um, uh, over in the corner? Cause when Rick Barnes was there, he, he showed me that thing and we were about to go down to practice and there were some NBA guys and, there was uh, one one NBA guy that was a former teammate of mine, and Rick grabs a camera and he zooms in on him. And there was nobody in the gym but a couple of scouts, and he zooms in on him. He says, "Come on, let's see if he digs in his ear, picks his nose." And I, I was like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> you can you can hear him doing that, can't you? Did he do it? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, but I, I, just the idea, just the idea that Rick Barnes, you know, this big time coach, you know, has got a great yeah. team. We're about to go down to practice. And that's what he's doing right before we go down there was just hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. Their office is in the football stadium, but they, Beard is yet to be in the office. None, none of those guys, their, their whole staff. The other thing about Barnes, he had those fake teeth that, you know, you, you came in the scene and you got those crazy fake teeth. <laughs> so, I know early on, whenever you bring in that type of talent, I mean, Timmy Allen, we talked about his versatility as a guy, as a wing or a power forward who would take a big guy out on the floor, smaller guy down in the post. I, I still think this group here, because of the, how Chris Beard will demand that they guard. They have so much offensive firepower. Combine that uh, great defense with offensive firepower. Um, I, I still have this team as a Final Four team. Marcus Carr is going to be the key to that. His his willingness to give up himself because uh, he he has that unique ability now to be able to create one anytime he wants to. He can get in the lane and make plays. And I said earlier, Chris Beard showed me last year when he brought Mac McClung in from Georgetown. The first thing he said is, I don't want to change you. I want to make you more efficient. If he can do the same thing with Marcus Carr, this team's a Final Four team in my mind. A week from today. Mm -hmm. A week from today. Yes. You're calling two games. You, I mean, like college basketball's back. Madison Square Garden's going to be packed. Coach King's Ooh. last game at Madison Square Garden. Like, Jay, what's the first thing that's going through your mind now a week from when you're going to have to call two of the biggest games of the year because it's basically starting of the season? Finally, we're, we're getting to <laughs> yeah. the beautiful game. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've whiled away my time watching, uh, you know, teams play this sadistic ground acquisition game that's a crypto-fascist <laughs> metaphor for war that we call football. And now we get to watch, you know, the beautiful game where play, you know, there are committee meetings after every play stoppages where where real athletes have to play offense and defense continuously. They don't come out of the game when one facet of the game is played. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to it, looking forward to fans in the stands. I mean, it, you know, we had a, it, it felt like last year, even though we had a season, it was a lost season. And uh, and so I just I kind of can't wait. And there's a feeling of gratitude that we're we're back at it uh, more than anything. You know, just grateful that we have, uh, you know, we have the games the way we want to we want to play them. I, I echo that same sentiment, Jay. And for me, with those four teams, particularly uh, for Duke and Kentucky, not to have been in the NCAA tournament last year. And now these two teams, in my mind, having a bit of a redemption year. I, I'm thrilled that all of our Blue Bloods will be back into the NCAA tournament this year, along with North Carolina. And so I absolutely cannot wait until November 9th. Uh, we were just talking about it off air. I, I, the, I, can, I can literally feel the excitement building, and I can't wait to get back into Madison Square Garden and see these four teams go at it. I think it's really appropriate to, to start the season off for us in the world's most famous arena. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it kind of, you know, 
being a New Yorker, growing up to the going to the old garden with my dad when I was real, real little, taking the training, getting picked up, going to Tad's Steakhouse and getting a soda and going over to the garden to those Thursday night doubleheaders or holiday festival. But, you know, when you think of, you know, for me, just being in the garden, bringing college basketball back to the fans being there, the energy that's going to be in the building. Think about all the great games Coach K coached uh, in Madison Square Garden. I mean, I I mean, when I, I think of Duke, I mean, Madison Square Garden is like Cameron North in a lot of ways. Wouldn't you say that, Jay? So, yeah, just, it used to be the Meadowlands. Now, now it's yeah. the, uh, the garden. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be a great environment. Uh, and uh, I'm just excited that we're we're back at it. I mean, like we, can, yeah. we you can feel it. Like, I'm not sure. And Jay, you, maybe you more than Fonz and I, like, I didn't feel the season. We had the season, but I didn't feel it because we were never there. You were at least were in some buildings. Uh, it just, like you said, we got through the season, but I never like felt like we were engaged in it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes great sense. And but but the the truth is, Seth, like it was no different being in the arena because you weren't there, even though you were physically in that city and in that building. One, we were so far away from the floor. Uh, most of the time, I was calling the game off the monitor anyway, and and then you had very little interaction with the players and coaches that wasn't over zoom or the phone, even when you were there. Wow. And so you're like, well, what am I doing here? And, mm-hmm. and look, I mean, you, you were grateful that we got the season in, I get it. I mean, I'm not complaining about it, but just saying, if you compare it to what we had uh, it, it really was kind of a lost season and, you know, going back to the champions classic and Fonz, you know, your point, you know, so, so Duke, Kentucky, Michigan state and Kansas, you know, the truth is they all kind of sucked last year and, and, you know, everybody had bad years relative to what they expect. I mean, you know, Kansas and Michigan state made the tournament, mm-hmm. but Kansas had their worst loss maybe ever. They got their doors blown off by USC. They lost by 30 some mm-hmm. and, uh, and Michigan state after getting off to a good start, we all thought they were top five to start the year, but one at Cameron, we thought they were going to be really good barely made the tournament and then lost in the, in the playing game to UCLA in overtime when they had a double digit lead. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's going to be talk about four teams coming in and playing with an edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to see that from the, you know, the opening tip and that's going to be fun. Yeah, Jay, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm I, I couldn't agree more. I I'm excited to get back into the building because it's interesting as a player, I fed off the energy, whether it's negative or, or positive. And even in our new roles, I feed off that energy. And I, I missed that last year. Uh, Seth and I, obviously, in Bristol, grateful to be there to have some semblance of a season. But, man, that that's that the interaction with the coaches and players, probably first and, and a close second, is just feeling that energy in the building. So I cannot wait to step into Madison Square Garden and feel that again. Well, here's why. Here's why, in my judgment, it's great for fans to be back. It's great for the players not just for the energy that the crowd gives you, but when fans are in the building, you can't hear the coaches as much. And it's freaking great. Like when there weren't any fans, you could hear the coaches chirp at you the whole game. It was like practice. That is no fun. That is why I hated playing at Vanderbilt because the coaches were under the, under the basket instead of being on the sidelines. And, and you're like, really? You know, would you mind if we just guard the screening action without you screaming the whole time? Uh, so the crowd, the crowd really helps the players in that regard. Yes, yes, yes. The one thing I am going to miss from last year is putting you two guys in a box so I can have some peace and tranquility. In the <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it's like it's like that show. I, I wish I had one of those buttons that, like, you know, I could just zap you. All right, I've had enough. Of this. <laughs> Come on now. We're my three sons, man. We got to be together, Seth. <laughs> uh, all right. American Conference. Yes, sir. Memphis. Memphis, obviously. You know, Jalen Durham and Monty Bates. Uh, they return Nolly. They return uh, mm-hmm. Les Jonas, DeAndre Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, get Earl Timberlake as well. I mean, they got as deep a, a roster. Let me ask you something. I'd rather have more players than not have enough players. What do you think the biggest challenge is going to be for for Penny Hardaway and the staff at Memphis? Just getting I think it's getting young players to play together. 
Yep. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the same challenge that Calipari and Coach K have had having such young teams. And uh, and I mean, I think having Larry Brown there will help with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I think Penny Hardaway is a really good coach. And and, you know, I've seen his practices. He does a really good job. Um, so getting everybody to, you know, buy, I'm not crazy about the word buy in, sure. but but getting everybody to uh, essentially sacrifice when, um, you know, it, it, right now it's not easy to do that. You know, you're thinking a little bit more about the next step than you used to. Uh, and that that's OK. There's nothing wrong with that. But but rather than thinking about the top of the ladder, thinking about the rung that you're on and, and this is where they are now. So think about this and the next step will be there. Yeah, they, they have tremendous depth uh, th- this year. And so, and that style is great because he's up in you 94 feet. And when you play multiple guys, almost Leonard Hamilton style, where you play 10, 11 guys. And, I, and for me, even with all the talent that they have this year, the experience that they have coming back is, is they do a great job of turning you over, turning teams over on 22% of their possessions, but they also turn it over a lot. And so they turn the ball over on 22% of their possessions. So can they, uh, in their style, be more efficient on the offensive end and not turn the basketball over? And then the other thing that I looked at with them, I I got a chance to see two of their uh, exhibition games is, do they have a dynamic playmaker off the dribble that can make plays for themselves and their teammates? I'm I'm not sure they have that one guy yet emerge. Yeah, I think I think the interesting thing is like you talk about Nolly and you talk about Quinones and both of those guys roles change because the ball's going to be in Bates's hands. I mean, he's going to be their dynamic ball handler. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he has really good vision. He can have a seal over yeah. the defense. He's tall. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I, I think that, look, they guard you. Mm-hmm. Shot selection is going to be important, basically playing without ego. And like you said, you know, who's going to lead that team. I think Bates is going to be a good leader, but I think meshing those, those different personalities and, Jay, you made a great point. Uh, I think that the synergy between Larry Brown and Penny's and watching them practice was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, you could see the respect that Coach Brown has for Penny and what he's trying to do in his hometown. And then you can see that Penny's comfortable enough in his own skin to say, and I got Larry Brown to help these kids. And then Larry Brown is an 81-year-old. His ability, which was amazing to me, to connect with those players was phenomenal. He just has a way about him that they look right through him. I mean, they you know they connect with him, and you know he puts his hand on his shoulders. You know, he has a the right choice of words. Uh, I, I think they have a chance to do something really, really special. I think taking care of the ball, shot selection, and making sure that. Everyone eats. In other words, you know, you you know, you might have been a volume shooter last year. Yeah. Uh, eliminating the static to just really focus on winning, I think, would challenge. So one team that's won a lot in that league, I say Houston. You guys say what? Uh, you're going to have to beat them. They're they're <laughs> yes. not going to they're not going to retreat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they lost a lot, obviously, yeah. with Quentin Grimes and Dejan Giroux and all that. But, uh, you know, having Marcus Sasser back who can really score, he may be, you know, maybe the best shooter score in the league. Uh, and then Kyler Edwards comes in from Texas Tech. But they're going to be good and they're going to be tough. They're going to guard and rebound and all that stuff. Um, but can they, you know, can they score at the highest level? Uh, my, my, I would not bet against them. I, w- I would never bet against Kelvin Sampson. He's one of the best coaches in the game. Yeah, and I and Jay, I thought they really as good as Mark, a score as Marcus Sasser is and will be even this year. I, I really thought that they would miss Quentin Grimes, and part of it was in late game situations. Quentin Grimes had the ball in the hand; they were running a high ball screen for him, allowing him to come off of the defender would go over. He pop it from behind the three point line. I mean, shot forty one percent from three. I, I'm, I'm I'm curious to see who emerges as that bigger guard who can make plays that you can give. Because I love Tremont Mark, but Tremont Mark's not a great shooter. He's an inside-the-arc kind of guy. So I'm interested to see who emerges in that role. You mentioned Kyler Kyler Edwards. Kyler can really shoot it, but I'm not sure he's as dynamic off the dribble as Quentin Grimes was. I think the front court's going to be interesting because they get Cherry back, obviously to get Fabian mm-hmm. White back. But yep. and people that saw the secret scrimmage, I can't mention names because it was secret, 
They said Josh Walton was very impressive. The kid who transferred from UConn as a big yeah. body gave him a, a guy that was a little different to carve out space and shoot that little jump up, decent passer. You know, he's got he's in pretty good shape. I mean, he's been really coached hard the last few years by uh, Danny Hurley. So, I, you know, Houston, look, we know they're going to defend. Their identity is ridiculous. They're going to defend. They're going to rebound. They're going to be physical. They're going to be hard to play against. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing Kelvin Sampson has a gift to do, another guy who has a gift to do, is he gets guys to embrace playing winning basketball, like to do what they do well. I mean, there's no, there's no debates on, you know, embracing your role when you play for Kelvin Sampson. Everyone kind of plays to their strengths. If you had to pick one or two other teams in the American, like Wichita State, Osborne, he had an incredible year last year. Think about the situation that he got. You know, he, he became the head coach and earned the opportunity yeah. to be the head coach. You know, Etienne is co-player of the year in, in, yeah. in the American Conference last year. Deasy gives him a, a front court player. Wichita mm-hmm. State, uh, SMU, uh, maybe mm-hmm. UCF. Which school? Which teams are, are you guys thinking of the other teams that might compete at the top of that league? Well, you, you mentioned Wichita State, Seth, and you mentioned the three returners, Tyson Etienne. Uh, Moise Desi and uh, Dexter Dennis. Uh, it, that that group is a really good threesome to have. Experience can score. They defend. They play hard. One of the areas that they struggled last year was on the <laughs> in the re- area of rebounding. And they went out and they were able to bring Joe Pleasant in from Abilene Christian. He should give them a presence on the glass. If he ends up proving that he can help them get over their defensive woes, then in third place, I like Wichita State. I would say SMU. Um, I think UCF will be improved and very good uh, under Johnny Dawkins. But you know, Kendrick Davis is is a is the real deal. Um, yes, he's one of the top playmakers in the country, let alone the mm-hmm. American. Uh, so I, I think SMU is going to be uh, a challenger. That's a really good league. I, yes. You know, it's, I don't know the right way to kind of term this stuff anymore because everybody gets so bent out of shape over you know labels, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know whether you, it's not whether you call it power five or start calling yeah. things power six. Uh, it seems like, you know, you're insulting the world when you say mid-major now. So I don't know the the right way to term any of this, but um, that that's a good league. And, uh, and you know, I mean, look, they've had final four teams, which I'll say has been in the final four. Yeah. You, you know, back yeah. when UConn was in the league, they won a national championship out of that league. Houston goes to the final four. Uh, UCF a couple of years ago, uh, almost, almost they had Duke beat. I mean, there's a tip in away from beating Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett, that group. Yeah. So it's a, it's a quality league. Did you guys have them, have them get two teams in the NCAA tournament? You guys think they'll get a third? I think we're yeah. I think SMU is going to be NCAA tournament team. Kendrick Absolutely. Davis is, is the real deal. Marcus yeah. from, uh, from Duquesne is a big body kind of undersized yeah. for I yeah. think Kim Jackovich does a really good job. And I, you know, I don't everyone wants what they had when they had Coach Brown. Sure. But uh I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna have a, a good year. Who who knows? I mean, you know, again, I mean teams emerge, but uh whether it's Switch State or SMU, they could get as many as four, depending on sure. you know what they do in the non-conference. What about the Atlantic 10? Like, like to me. The Atlanta 10 is a pro example. You got St. Bonaventure in Richmond. Yep. St. Bonaventure, all right, I mean, you're talking about, I think they have like 328 combined starts from their returning starters. I mean, it, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, and if you talk about roles. Mark Schmidt's one of the best coaches in college basketball. He's one of the best coaches in college basketball. I don't care. ACC, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12. The dude is creative offensively. They guard. They rebound. Yeah, Tyler Lofton is terrific. Oshuna Shunasi is is terrific. Attaway, Welsh, Holmes. I mean, I did a bunch of their games last year. Mm-hmm. A team that returns all five starters. Richmond, a team that returns all five starters. Uh, this league, I think they could end up getting four uh, in the end, three or four in the end. Double term. What, what what's your guys' take on just big picture the A ten? Very good at the top, and I agree with you that I think St. Bonaventure is the best team, but Richmond's not far behind. You know, Richmond's not the only not the only Bruins returning all five starters. You know, they got everybody back, yeah. And uh, or the Spiders, they're the Spiders. I mean, but but they, you know, I was thinking about Belmont there. 
Um, but Richmond, Richmond's got a, Golden is back. Jacob yep. Gilliard is back. Yep. Tyler Burton, their best rebounders back. Um, you know, all those guys are like, uh, all those guys are like grad students now. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and so they got that in common with Belmont. I know that but Belmont's got nothing but grad students. I don't know if they got any undergraduates on the team. Uh, so, you know, when people say, well, you know, I, I, I want to watch older teams and watch them mature together and all that. Well, you should be a fan of Richmond then. And the ratings for Richmond games should be through the roof. Um, because they they're they're good and Gilliard's one of the best defenders uh in the country and I you know probably top five of of guys that can switch off and guard just about anybody. Yeah Nick Sherrod should be back healthy sharpshooter uh yep. injured his knee last season so he gives them a dynamic score out on the perimeter. Uh I think Mike Rhodes's group with VCU has a chance to sneak into the NCAA tournament. Ace Baldwin's back. Uh, Vince Williams. Yeah, he's out early, Fod. Yeah, he's they out. got a lot of injuries. That, that They've had a couple guys go he's down recently. Early. He injured his Achilles. Yeah. You're exactly right. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I feel I feel for Mike because they were an NCAA tournament team last year. And they yeah. Because they had yeah. a positive yeah. test. Bones Highlands, you know, playing in Denver, but yeah. State. Actually, I saw him getting a game the other day. And uh, Ace Baldwin's a really good player, Baltimore kid. Yeah. Went down and they had another injury the other day, but Mike does a great job. I'll tell you, yeah. a, a team in that league is going to be Dayton. Uh, and Tamari, uh, what is it, uh, Kamara, the kid from uh, Georgia? Georgia, yeah. Now, in talking to the staff at, at Dayton the other day, I mean, they think he's a pro. They think he's a pro. And, you know, Elijah Weaver played really, really well at the end of the season. Musafa Amzil, uh, it came in like 10 games into the season, had like 30 his first game. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really good six-nine skill. Now, the point guard play, obviously you lose Jalen Crutcher, which was a huge part of what they did, and Ronnie Chapman, you're losing those two point guards or ball yeah. handling guards. But Anthony Grant's going to win, and yep. he's got an interesting mix. If he can get, if he can get guard play, I, I think that Dayton is going to be really, really good. That's my gut. St. Theory. Louis is going to be good. Um, Except what's just got hurt. Yeah, Perkins, Perkins. Perkins. Perkins got hurt. Got hurt. Yeah. yeah. When did that happen? Uh, uh, like around Thursday, Friday, Jay. I, was I did not hear that. Well, I yeah. hope it's not bad. How bad is it? Season. Oh my God! No. Yeah. Oh geez. Yeah. Okay. Well, St. Louis yeah, yeah. is not going to be as good. I didn't hear that. Yeah. That he, didn't come. That didn't come across my my all my feeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's so they, good. They still got Yuri Collins, and they have who's a very great point guard and they got the Jimerson kid who can really shoot it but see, yeah. Yeah, that's that a really good mix but that's he's, crushing. He's, he's out for the season that is crushing because they, they are another team that last year was playing at a very high level had a good win yeah. against State and then they got hit with COVID and COVID. they were yeah. down for like four or five weeks yes and yes. never got it and never mm-hmm. got it back I think they won that's the right. first 11 games yes. mm-hmm. and just never could get it get it back now, hey, we're going to go to NBC first, but but before we do, Jay, you just mentioned a future member of the NBC, uh, and that's Belmont. I I think Belmont's a team that could win potentially multiple games in the NCAA tournament. What do you? Yeah, think? meaning two. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They can. I, I think they can. They can win a second game, uh, and that's that's the mark of a a really good really good team. That's a non Power Five team. Um, but they've got, you know, they, they have everybody back. Yes. I mean, yeah. Everybody came back. Yes. 97% um, of their scoring. You know, so Grayson Murphy's back. He's a, a defensive He's player of the year in the league. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, rebounds, assists, yep. points. Uh, one of the most versatile players in the country. Uh, I, and I'm a huge fan of that kid. He's a, he's a baller. Yeah. Um, and they play, you know, they, they, they play like men. Uh, you know, they, they, you can't speed them up. They're going to do what they want to do. They run their stuff really effectively and they're, they're physical. Um, you know, they're like going to, when you go to the Y, when you're like 19 years old and you play against Mm -hmm. a 30 year old guy that kicks your ass, you know, that, that, that's the kind of team they have. That's fundamentally who they are, but they don't turn the back. They don't beat themselves. eh? They don't turn the basketball over. They're going to run efficient offense. And on the defensive end, uh, they like to play man, but they'll mix it up on you, too, to keep you off balance. I agree with you guys. I think Belmont can win two games in the NCAA tournament. And they got a seven-foot center. 
who complains. That helps. He's really good. I mean, yeah. like he catches everything. He can play out of doubles. They 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 have great. I did a Belmont game a couple of years ago when John Morant was playing it and uh, at Murray State. Their post action, when that ball goes in, and he was a freshman back then, is as good a post. They cut as hard mm-hmm. and play off each other in their post action as as good as any. And you know, and they're moving to the Missouri Valley, uh, which is you know again, you, you kind of the trickle down effect of realignment. Uh, you know, we're seeing this right now with the Sun Belt. We're seeing it with some other conferences, but Belmont is, they're not going anywhere. Great fan base, great tradition. Uh, they, they know exactly who they are. They recruit guys that fit in their system. Does any coach have more pressure on them taking over at 30 years old than Drew Valentine at Loyola? <laughs> well, he's, at least he's got some horses when it, when he does take over, <laughs> you know, Lucas Williamson's back and Braden Norris. So they, they're going to be good. I don't know if they'll be, you know, you lose uh Krutwig, you're not going to be yeah. as good. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, I look, I think that's a good job. Porter Moser made it a great job. Um, yeah. but they've they've got they've got great support there uh at Loyola. Um and they're they're gonna challenge. I don't think they're the best team in the league, but but they're yeah. gonna challenge. Yeah, and and it's it, it'll be uh kind of a different a, a little bit of a different transition because anytime you've had a guy who's one as much as Porter Moser does, the next guy coming in, it's kind of you're on the hot seat <laughs> seemingly uh right away. And unfortunately, this year, you know, Drake's the best team in that league. And uh, Roman Penn, uh, unfortunately, didn't play in the postseason uh, down with injury, which allowed Joseph Yosefu to actually become a star right before our eyes. And, of course, he transfers out. But Roman Penn's ability to be able to control the offense and, and, and dictate speed and tempo out there on the floor. In my mind, he, he's the best point guard in that league. Uh, Tank Hempfield is back. Uh, Darnell Brody, uh, big 6'9 guy on the interior. So Drake is the best team in the Missouri Valley Conference, and I would say Missouri State may have a chance to challenge. I'll tell you, don't sleep on Northern Iowa. They get J.J. Green back. J.J. Green, and, yep. you know, He might be the, the best player in the conference in terms of he's healthy, had those hip surgeries. Uh, they're a team that down the stretch – I think one of four of the last five, then they got COVID again and, the, and their season was over. AJ Green is, uh, he's, he's dynamic. Yeah. A, a talented offensive player. Ben Jacobson does not a good job, but a great job. You know, that that's another league that, um, to me, there's such a level playing field in a lot of ways. Uh, great home crowds, great ownership, um, really fiercely competitive. In fact, like Drake was at one point, one of the one few schools that didn't have great ownership. And now the job, obviously that they've done there, it's, you know, they've got a great arena they've got a really good roster. They've got good players. They've got a fun style of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of the MVC just because I think that it's a really well coached, hard playing mm-hmm. league. They all recruit the same guys pretty much. Uh, and the, the arenas are packed. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, and they're they, nice. They, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're having Loyola's selling out. Drake's obviously put big numbers. Northern Iowa's done a great job. Evansville's got a great following. Yeah. Uh, you're right. The Missouri State's got a good following. Southern Illinois had success. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've just got you've got a league that has uh, a really good ownership. And uh, I think that league's going to be fun to watch. I think that you're going to have some really good games. And I think we're going to be talking about on game day as we start talking about teams we're not talking about enough. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about the Missouri Valley. That's my gut feeling. And Seth, of course, that's right in my backyard living here in South Bend, Indiana. And the one you, you talk about investment, the investment in facilities is, is, I mean, whether you're in Northern Iowa, whether you're at SIU, wherever you are in the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, they not only have a great following, but the facilities are not, not quite uh, upper echelon uh, power five, but they're pretty doggone good. Of course, they invest in facilities. You have to be indoors in that part of the country. <laughs> Eating Twix bars. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, we're we're talking about quote unquote, you know, teams that we need to be talking about mid majors. You, you know, the one one quote unquote mid major or whatever conference we haven't talked about. What's that? It's probably the conference that has or the team that everyone thinks is going to win national championship, and that's Gonzaga. 
I mean, so like I say Gonzaga this season, not last season, not Jalen Suggs, not the half court shot, not, you know, getting to the championship game. I say Gonzaga in 21-22. What do you guys say? I say one of the best backcourts in America with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. I mean, Drew Timmy, we saw him uh, two years ago, Seth, as you know, I kept coming off the bench. And at the time, I thought he was the most physical of all the bigs that they had because he was going through the chest, had a phenomenal year last year, and has one of the best mustaches in all of college basketball. And of course, he's joined by Chet today, Fonz. I got them all, man. Whatever you need, this is the prop desk right here. (laughs) And I'm excited to see how he, because he's more of an inside guy. And and if you were going to add another big that would compliment him, it would be a guy like Chet Holmgren, who's very comfortable out on the perimeter, can knock down a three, can put the basketball on the floor, can draw attention. You can play him in the post. And actually, the thing I love about Chet Holmgren that I felt was missing in last year's Gonzaga team, they didn't have a rim protector last year. Chet Holmgren go block some shots. So I'm excited to see how those two play together. Holmgren is a unicorn. I mean, we've not seen anybody quite like him uh, in a long time uh, with his length and uh, versatility. I mean, I watched uh, watched them a little bit the other night uh, and saw a couple of the highlights where, you know, he grabs a rebound and takes it the other way himself. Yeah. He can rip and run at seven feet, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Look, they're, they're asking whether Gonzaga is going to gonna win. It's like saying, hey, you think the Globetrotters are going to beat the Generals tonight? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're going to they're going to be they're going to be in the final four mix. They're good enough to win it. And oddly enough, when you thought last year they they maybe should win it and fell a little bit short when when Baylor put it to them in the championship game, you know, sometimes you can look back over the years, sometimes the next year you wind up getting it done. And and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe this is their year, but they keep knocking on the door and they've been knocking for a while. Uh, they're going to get through it. Um, at some point, they're going to win it because uh, they're too good not to. Hey, last year's team was a really good three-point shooting team. And, of course, Corey Kispert just flat-out shoot it. Do you think this team this year could shoot it well enough to be able to create enough space on the interior to shoot it well enough to be able to win it compared to last year's team? I do. They might not be quite as potent offensively as they were last year. That was a beautiful offensive team yes. last year. It was like watching the EuroLeague. I mean, they, right. they were, you know, they're passing, cutting. Uh, it was the best passing and cutting team that I've ever seen in college. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I can't give you a list of here are my top 10 passing and cutting teams. Like I, I don't, I don't know that. You will see that on Instagram sometime this season. You might, you might after, after my top 10 post-game libations. Um, Why can't we have in-game libations? Yeah. It would make the broadcast better. I still think, I still think ESPN ought to start a new channel at where we can curse uh, and call it ESPN FU. <laughs> it would it would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fine. You you say that. I, here's the two things that I'd say about Gonzaga. Look, we know they're great. We know they're going to compete for championship. This is sure. a unique team. I mean, you know, Hunter Silas, Nolan yeah. Hickman, uh, obviously Chet Holmgren. This is a a season that Fuey's going to play three freshmen. Yeah. I mean, well, a predo- not a predominant, but a, a significant amount of time. But Sheer Bolton sure. obviously is going to be yeah. a big there. The transfer, a double transfer, who gives him some maturity in the backcourt to complement Andrew Nebhardt, who mm-hmm. talked the other day. He said he said Andrew Nebhardt's the best ball screen guard he's ever had. Really? He the defense and makes more plays. Wow! And he wants him to be more aggressive. And then you know we don't talk about Anton Watson who. Yeah. I think it's going to be a big part of what they do because, again, another guy with maturity. Do you have a concern? I wouldn't say concern is the wrong word, but, you know, he's in a little bit of uncharted waters having the three freshmen that are probably going to be in his eight-man rotation and play significant minutes. That's a little bit different. It's not Gonzaga-esque when you think about kind of guys coming along like Drew Timmy. He's probably going to be player of the year. Uh and bringing guys along. I mean, is that a concern at all to you guys? Not to me. I think their culture is so good that, that those guys get folded into it without, without a problem. 
Um, you know, like last year, you know, Jalen Suggs is a freshman and, and had no college experience before he gets there, but that culture is so strong. I mean, yeah, I, I get your point. You're right. That usually, you know, they might have a transfer that sat out and, uh, and sort of became part of the Gonzaga culture in the year that they sat out. So they, they basically did have a year of experience. Uh, you never get that with freshmen, but, but given that you can go to summer school now and, uh, you know, you're on campus way earlier than you used to be. And, and, you know, back in the day, you started practice on October 15th. Now, now you started, you know, they started last May, uh, essentially. So I'm not as concerned about that. It, it, it's an issue for everybody, but, uh, but Gonzaga can absorb that better than anybody. When you talk about the elite high school players that are coming out, uh, those guys are so well-drilled and well-schooled because they're playing against the best competition in America. And so I look at a guy like Hunter Salas, who's going to be out on the perimeter. I think he'll be a plug-and-play kind of guy. Chet Holmgren, as Jay said, is a unicorn. By the way, I don't have a prop for a unicorn over here, so I can't help you guys there. <laughs> you will. <laughs> but I will work on that. Hans, you're a unicorn. You're a living prop. I don't have the thingy, though. Yeah, but your game did. Thank you. <laughs> I'm grateful. Yeah, so I think so. My my point is, I, I, I because those are elite guys, I think they're plug and play guys. And to Jay's point, culture's already established. The older guys, Drew, Timmy, Anton Watson, those guys are going to help those guys integrate well into what Gonzaga does on both ends of the floor. They they and they've got to, you know, obviously as usual their early schedules brutal. I mean, they're, yeah. You know, they open up with Dixon, but then they go, you know, they have that game against Texas and uh, they have Duke later on, I think in, uh, in Vegas, Jay, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're going to be challenged and, and, and that's the great thing about, you know, maybe it is, you know, because you've dominated your league for so long, St. Mary's USF mm-hmm. BYU. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Cousy back for yeah. eighth year now on scholarship for his seventh year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tommy Cousy back, obviously, uh, St. Mary's will always be good. USF plays a unique style and almost over 50% of their shots come from a three point line. They get about half of their scoring from two players. Obviously BYU, one of the best home courts in college basketball, Alex Barcelo, who can really, really shoot it. Yeah. Uh, They play with really good spacing, play with great flow. Any of those teams you think can give a legitimate challenge to, to Gonzaga? They can beat them. I mean, in a, in a game, uh, but they're not going to, they're not going to challenge them. Uh, you know, so I, I, I agree. Like St. Mary's going to be a lot better than they were last year. They struggled, they were young. And uh, uh, you know, I had them a couple times. I thought they were, you know, they were going to be good uh, this year. Um, and Tommy Cousy's a, a, a really good player. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he accomplishes more than you think he should when you, when you look at him, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like a compliment, but it is, I mean it that way. And then I, you know, USF has really good guards. Uh, you know, I, I, I watched them play. I had them against Virginia last year and that, that win that, that surprised everybody. Uh, and, and Todd Golden does a really good job with that team. So they're, they're good and they've got good teams in the West coast conference, but, but, you know, Gonzaga is, better than way better than anybody. And it doesn't mean they can't get beat, but, but they're not going to be challenged for the title. I don't think. Yeah. And and I agree. Uh, St. Mary's has uh, all 13 of their guys back from last year. So that experience should help them a ton yet. You know what they struggle with, they struggle to score the basketball. I mean, they, they were the second least efficient uh, scoring team out there. They really struggled from the three point line at 28%. And Jay, it's going to be interesting to see, can, are those things kind of correctable? Because the same 13 guys, uh, are those things correctable? And, and, and if they can make some strides on the offensive end, their defense is usually solid enough, then to your point, they can win a game against Gonzaga. BYU with Alex Barcelo, uh, Caleb Lohner, uh, 6'8", can do a lot of things out there, shoot it better. He's more comfortable in the offensive scheme. Uh, I, I like BYU. I like St. Mary's, but I don't think those guys will challenge Gonzaga. I think you're right on that. You know, the one school in the West Coast, and maybe quote unquote mid major, that I think is interesting, probably doesn't get enough. We don't talk about enough of San Diego State. Mm-hmm. I mean, like San Diego State, they just get it done every single year. I mean, the the job that Dutch has done there is is really he, he's taking what Coach Fisher's done and he's kind of 
just continued doing the same things at a very, very high level, getting the right guys, getting transfers, mm-hmm. uh, developing players, uh, defending, uh, taking care of the basketball, uh, great home court. Like I always said, like, you know, doing a game day there, what do they call that place? The zoo or the uh, VA uh, house. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They say that, that pl- the show, the show is their, their student section, uh, Matt Bradley, the transfer from Cal, is really good. I mean, he gives him a, a score. Nathan Mensa is a elite rim protector. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pullum kid is a very, very good play starter, and they are really well coached, and they have an incredible, incredible home court. Uh, I just thought, I, you know, the cons- I, I'm big on it. It's hard to win, but it's hard to win and be as consistent as they've been uh, – for this long a period of time. Uh, and, and I just, they're one of those programs that, you know, we don't talk about a lot Yeah. each and every year. They're in the conversation as an NCAA tournament team uh, or an NCAA tournament team and a team that can win games in the tournament. Well, they got a, Matt Bradley's got to be player of the year in the league. He's really um, kind of like Malachi Flynn. Well, you know, the, that type of performance, uh, you know, he was atop the, the scoring column, when he was at Cal in the Pac-12. And the reason I say he's got to do that for San Diego State to win the league is because I think Colorado State is really good. Yep. And, and, you know, Colorado State, yeah, they got David Roddy back, who's like a double-double guy. And, and <laughs> Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah Stevens is back, and he's, you know, one of the top assist guys in the country. And then they just got a, a Division II All-American in uh, Chandler Jacobs who can really shoot it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're going to be the best team in the league. Now, whether they can unseat San Diego State, it's, you know, you say they're going to be the best team, but you've got the the team, San Diego State, that wins the damn thing every year. Uh, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about with Houston. You know, you're going to have to knock, you know, knock them off the top. They're not leaving. Uh, but I think Colorado State's the best team. Yeah, the Colorado conference is good. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I, I, it, I don't think they can win it. But uh, Steve Alford's got a pretty decent group out at Nevada as well. Grant Sherfield and Desmond Cambridge. I mean, though, that that may be the best backcourt in that league. And so I don't think they're I don't think they're deep enough or experienced enough to be able to knock off Colorado State. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, throughout the course of the season Nevada's able to pick up a couple wins here or there and may sneak themselves into contention late. Don't don't they have Will Baker too? Is Will Baker eligible this year from yeah. Texas? Yeah. yeah, former top 100 recruit, he is. He they're talking. He's talking about playing two seven footers together. Which when you go around the country, like you know, I want to watch Purdue, and you know, obviously they got uh, Eddie and. Uh, and Travion Williams and every guy that has two big guys says we it's almost impossible to play the two bigs together. And then mm-hmm. I read something yesterday that Steve Alford said they really practice in trying to play those two seven footers together. Yeah. It, it's real simple. I mean, you, the way people are playing offense, it's hard to play those two bigs together and, and defend out on the perimeter and defend all those spread ball screens, defend all that false motion and defend all that space. Yeah. Teams are playing smaller as opposed to saying, well, that's fine. We're going to punch it inside uh but you know it i can like- i can solve that for you anybody who's got two big guys put a quarter in a in a phone and call jim Beheim and he'll tell you to play zone it's not that hard <laughs> his, his big guys don't have to guard any ball screens yeah, he takes right. that he doesn't have to deal with all that stuff play zone and then they yes. gotta adjust to you did Bill just say put a quarter in a phone? Yes, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Old school. Let's go. When was the last time you saw one of those? Remember all the payphone banks you used to see at the airport? Yes. You don't see any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, when I first got a coach, I I'd have a big bag of change so that if I had to make a phone call when we we're on the road, you know, like you pull off one of those stops. Yeah, and you don't just like keep on slugging because Columbia didn't have a, 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 a phone credit card. <laughs> You keep slugging in quarters like dollars yes. sixty five cents for the next three minutes. And you, you slug it in <laughs> my favorite thing, my favorite thing about that, Seth, back when uh, when I was working with the Nike Skills Academies, the, it was the very first one we had up in Beaverton, and uh, and Craig Elo and I were were doing a shooting drill. Uh, and so, I mean, Kevin Durant, Kevin Love, Derek Rose, all these guys are in high school and they're at this camp. And so Elo tells the guys, all right, when you when you pull up for the shot in this drill, 
we want you to, you know, hit the same spot you left the floor. And, and I, I want you to shoot it like you're shooting out of a phone booth. And so the guys start going into the drill and Elo looks at me, Elo says to me, why, why are they looking at me like that? They looked at me like I was speaking a different language. And I go, they don't know what a phone booth is. <laughs> and, and so we, we had that. We asked them after the drill, we said, do you guys know what a phone booth is? And they're like, no, what, what is that? And we had to explain it to him. We're like, don't, don't you, you don't know who Superman is? Like, where does Superman change his clothes now? There are no phone booths anywhere. It, 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 you know, but that's, I felt really old when none of the players, like Kevin Durant had no idea what a phone booth was. How about collect calls? Can you make collect calls anymore? I do it. I do it when I get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> I'll post your bail. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one that would. There's <laughs> <laughs> hey, a whole group of guys behind Ellis that would have to get a couple of his games that says, leave him in there. <laughs> you got to protect the bald head brotherhood, man. I got you, Jay. I got you. <laughs> oh, man. All right, last question before we go. What first-time head coach are you most looking forward to watching them coach their first game this year and just kind of see him kind of figure it out. Hubert Davis without question. And yeah. it's not, he's, it's not to watch him figure it out because he's got it figured out. But uh, I, you know, look, you're happy for, for everybody that gets an opportunity and, and all that. It's so hard in, in that business, but you know, we've all known Hubert for a long time and, yeah. and had the pleasure of working with him and, and, uh, you know, he's just a he's an unbelievable person in addition to being a, a great basketball man. But, uh, you know, he he sent I'm sure he did it with a bunch of people, but sent me his uh, first practice plan and uh, uh, kind of can you believe this type of deal? I mean, it's a dream come true for him. Yeah. And uh, and I think it's just fun to watch people who are who have their dreams come true. And uh, and I, th I think he'll do a fabulous job um, as long as, you know, I, I don't think. If I get back into the Carolina, he's the guy that took me into the Carolina locker room. And when I walked in, you know, he's showing me around. When I walked in, he's he's like, no, 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 no. Don't step on the logo. There's a big NC logo in the middle of the floor. And I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? He goes, you can't step on the logo. You know, th this tradition of not stepping on the logo. And I was like, man, I know we had a lot of idiots at Duke, but when we wanted something, when we didn't want people to step on something, we put it on the wall. Like we didn't put it on the floor. <laughs> and then, and then, Hey, but they got all those logos on the chairs. It was like, can I sit down? <laughs> right. Like, so I can't step on it, but I can sit down. I can put my backside on the logo, but don't step on it. We laughed you about can't that. Have gas we, while you're sitting down. <laughs> oh, we were killing We were laughing so hard at that, but I can't wait to watch him, watch him coach yeah. the Tar Heels. It's going to be a blast. And, and same here, Jay, just because I have history with him. We were in the same – we played against each other in college. We were the same draft class uh, in, in the NBA and played against each other throughout the years and reconnected, obviously, as he got uh, – went from here uh, to North Carolina as an assistant coach. And what I'm interested to see with him is, will we get any dad gones, uh, all shucks? You know, will he carry on the Roy Williams tradition or not? But he's highly uh, competitive, and I'm interested to see how he blends – his highly competitive nature, uh, especially in post-game uh, interviews, how he's going to combine those two, his, his uh, kind of genteel nature with that competitive nature out there on the floor. So I'm excited to see how he handles post-game interviews. I had forgotten that you and Hubert Davis were in the same NBA draft class. Can you imagine the scouting reports when they were comparing, all right, which of the two is nicer? Uh, <laughs> we, we, have to, we have to go with the nicer player here. That's probably why why you got drafted higher than Hubert is the nice factor. And you wonder why I bail you out of jail. <laughs> yeah, Hubert, Hubert would not even accept the call. You're so complimentary. <laughs> and, uh, my, my last story from my escapades. I've never seen a state that had two basketball coaches that liked football more than the state of Michigan. Like, like I'm at Michigan's practice. And Juwan comes in. I'm sitting with Phil Martelli, who is a national treasure, by the way. I mean, Phil Martelli just, I mean, just, it, it's its hilarious. I mean, he has his own assistant. They got 25 managers, by the way, at, at, at Michigan. 25. 
25 minutes. Phil has two of his own personal assistants that does all his whatever he does. And he's treated like almost like the godfather. But Juwan comes in and all of a sudden the Michigan-Michigan State game comes up. And you could have – forget about practice. Practice? Forget about practice. <laughs> oh, man, like – he his one thing is they were gonna they were they had a, a secret scrimmage uh, this past weekend against DePaul, and uh, the one thing was he goes now hey Phil that bus doesn't have a, have a television we're gonna have a problem now we're gonna have a problem I mean like he was not going to miss a minute of the Michigan Michigan State football game it was the cra- I mean it was unbelievable and he ran a great practice and he has a great way about him and. Uh, the accountability, uh, kind of like Riley-esque in terms of how he talks to his team, storytelling and things of that nature. And then, you know, you know, Izzo, I mean, Izzo was on every single uh, pre uh, Saturday pre-season, uh, pre-game show, Fox, <laughs> ESPN. You know, I thought he put the headset on being like in the booth, you know, with the defensive coordinator or something. <laughs> but those two guys, they, they love themselves in football now. It's wow. crazy. Yeah, Duan was great. He was and it great. was a great game. That was a great game. I know it yeah, was great for, for Michigan yeah. fans and Harbaugh yeah. and all that, but that was about as exciting a football game as you're going to see. If you want to watch a bunch of guys like run into each other without a plan, it was great. <laughs> speaking, speaking of football, fellas, I know we've adopted some of their terminology like downhill and that kind of thing, but if, if I hear – Head on the swivel defensively. I'm going to scream. I hear all the time. When did we start teaching head on the swivel versus, versus well, but being that, below the line of the ball and being able to see both? If your head's on the swivel and you look one way, you can't see behind you, which means the guy's going to back cut you. But that, that came from basketball. I heard head on a swivel from basketball, which yeah, I always ask, isn't your head on it? It's called your neck. Your neck actually is a swivel. And, uh, and I don't, you know, I never understood that. And, and what I love about, about the terminology thing is so in basketball, when we've got a great point guard, we say, man, he's a quarterback on the floor. And then I hear the football guys saying, well, he's like a great point guard. And like, geez, can't we just stay in our own lane here? And, and one thing that's bled in from football to basketball, which drives me crazy is when they talk about offense and defense, they'll say, well, he's great on that side of the ball. There are no sides of the ball in basketball. <laughs> there are si- First of all, the ball's round. There are sides of the floor, but there are no sides of the ball. Like the, the, the teams don't line up one side and the other when the game starts. Uh, it is a continuous game and people can move all over the place. I, 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 I've always hated that. I, I don't know why that rubs me the wrong way, but it's kind of like my well, wife. Well, and, uh, and way. He's a two-way player. What, what the hell are you? I mean, like, he's a two-way <laughs> player. Well, like, wait a second. Like, is, he, is this like the old days in women's basketball where you only go to half court and then the other team's over there? Yeah. And, yeah. Like, wait. Seth, you mean tell me in all your years of playing and coaching, that you never had a guy who was weak defensively that you had to hide in your in your defensive scheme. Yeah, but he still he still he wasn't he wasn't a weather vane. I mean, he didn't just like <laughs> laying like move his head back and forth like a damn weather vane. I mean, like, yeah, we put him on the other team's worst player is what we did. Right? <laughs> Try not to hurt anyone. I mean, it, it's just like a three and D. Well, he's a three and D guy. What about, is there a three and no D guy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what he Quite is? Quite a few he's of them. On the bench. <laughs> coaches always talk. No, you love coaches always talk about, hey, if you don't guard anybody, you're not going to play. And then they say the bench is the great motivator. And then they leave the guy out there and just scream at him the whole time and complain. Because <laughs> uh, you need guys. If guys can make shots, they're going to play, and they know it. That's the problem. Yes, yes. I was a no three and no D player, so I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another great edition of Baldman on campus. I mean, next time we talk, we're actually going to be talking ball. Mm. And I think, Taylor, being that, again, another show that you did not interject, I think we should do something on Wednesday or Thursday to recap the first day of the season. Uh, what do you say? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Sorry I didn't interject. I don't really have a ton to say about Colorado State or SMU. So maybe when we get to the games, uh, I'll have some more fully 
form thoughts. So let's regroup. I'm going to have thoughts on Maryland. We know that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, boys. Well, uh, I've got many thoughts on that. <laughs> On, on the Terps. Uh, Turgeon's bullish on the team. He's not really a guy to talk his team up, and he's been saying a lot of positive things, so I'm uh, he's he's making me feel good inside. But let's regroup after the Champions Classic on Wednesday or Thursday. And a quick question for you guys, because I, I think this is a thing we should monitor all year. Are we going to get a Coach K tribute video? Is James mm. Dolan going to come down to the floor and honor him before... Uh, you know, his final game at Madison Square Garden. We're going to get a lot of these gifts. I don't know how many videos we're going to see, but uh, I think this is a thing worth keeping an eye on. What, what do you guys think about this uh, this final trip for Coach K to, to Madison Square? There will definitely be a ceremony, a gift. I'm just not sure when it'll be, whether it be before their game, because they play second, I think, at 930. Uh, or if it'll be, you know, yeah, between games or halftime or something like that. My guess is it'll be between games. He'll probably get a piece of the floor or something like that. Um, that would be my guess. But the problem you have with guys like Coach K is Coach K has so much memorabilia and so much crap, really. I mean, it's all great, but he's accumulated so much stuff. What's he going to do? Like if you give him like a plaque or something, that is not going up on the wall. He's got no more walls. Yeah. And, Open up and, a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what? Well, yeah. Another, <laughs> put up a money pit. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that's actually a great question. Like, what do you get? I wonder if he's one of those guys. I've never asked him if he's one of those guys when like Father's Day or your birthday or Christmas is coming up. If you tell your family, look, here's what I want, because um, uh, that, that's what he should tell everybody. Here's what I want. You know, I need some gardening equipment or uh, I need a new lawnmower or something like that. That's that's what he ought to. Maybe there should be a Coach K registry. He should, he should register like a, like a, a bridal thing. And, uh, and people can go on there and say, all right, you know, we'll give him the Ginsu knives or this. Yeah. That would be the way to go. I like it. What would the tie that Coach K wears his last college game go for online? I'm told they're not wearing ties. I thought they were going uh, – I thought Mike Bray said they're going back – they're going to stick with the uh, – you know, kind of the half zip thing, which yeah. was a huge, I mean, that, that probably was a huge deal for Mike. Um, just wearing a shirt for Bray is going to be a, a good thing. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder if, if they're actually going to stay cash, which I think is great. I've always it's thought it was kind of silly to get in a suit. Like we're all Connie Mack, but what, 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 what happens <laughs> with us? Do we still have to wear ties at games? That's what I'm wondering. I would think yes. I want to wear a golf shirt and uh, and and be done with it. I, I think that's the way to go. I'm lobbying. Tie that shirts for me, please. Uh, you can lobby. I'll tell you the other thing. You can lobby and get us on the website. That'd be really good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on the website. Are you kidding? The ratings will be through the roof. Where do we go to pick up all the awards? <laughs> you guys, I, I, we we got to wrap, but this is this made me laugh. And Seth, I'm gonna I'm gonna out you a little bit. You texted me over the weekend at like five in the morning, being like, "We're still not on the homepage of uh, of the website. Where are we at?" And it just bring me pleasure to know. I don't sleep. What can I say? Five a.m. You're hate scrolling ESPN.com because you can't find the podcast. I that really tickled me on uh, Sunday. We got no respect at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're up, you go and read. And what do you do? I you can't it. sleep. You, you know, you read. Okay. <laughs> Glad you thought of me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't call you. I texted you. I know. I know. I mean, I'm appreciative. Have of called it. and wake up and uh, woke you up. I mean, but I texted you. You I wait. You wait till after seven o'clock to call me. Generally, so I, I do appreciate that. Fons, <laughs> Fons, just go to sleep at that time. Uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to go take a nap now. <laughs> <laughs>